This is Channel 11, WPIX New York, a Tribune Broadcasting Station. Shocktober, New York's movie station, creates a little monster. September, Shocktober, November, a little bite of the unexpected. What was that? A little vampire humor? Shocktober, it's back. It's very cool to be a ghoul. We'll be seeing you on Channel 11. Shocktober, on New York's movie station. Matt, you know how exciting it is when a TV station plays a horror movie marathon for one full night? Yes, I do, Jay, in fact. Well, imagine that, but for one full-on balls-out month. Oh, my God. You could only be referring to one thing. Shocktober. Shocktober. A New York's movie station. Yeah, WPIX Shocktober. It was the horror movie marathon all month long and happened in a couple years when we were younger. And we're going to talk about it tonight here on the Purple Stuff podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously our listeners over the years have heard us do the October thing like yeah. a thousand times. They got the basics from us. But what's happened here is that our friend Dustin from Twitter, that's uh, Trazufoma, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, he got his hands on one of the complete 1992 broadcasts of a certain Shocktober movie. So for the first time since the 90s, you and I got a chance to watch it as it was. A lot of people have old VHS tapes lying around. Sometimes they don't realize the treasure that lies within that tape. I'm searching for this kind of shit all the time. Those tapes are very rare. So, oh God, what a perfect miracle to be able to see it again. To me, WPX was kind of like that um, backyard clubhouse of local TV stations. It absolutely was that. In fact, you're right. We should probably kind of explain what WPIX was, because obviously, if you're not in the Northeast US, you have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could kind of picture it as a grittier, looser version of like your old Fox affiliate. Yeah. And they showed like all kinds of different stuff, like the best cartoons, sitcom reruns. Uh, some of the news was a little bit questionable at times <laughs> yeah, the news shows are like so salacious yeah <laughs> but this is where we watched ninja turtles the disney afternoon growing pains reruns late night episodes of tales from the dark side this was home base yeah it was on 24 7 in our house right right and keep in mind this is network this is not cable when you're a kid like even abc and nbc they get boring during certain hours wpix is where we lived the commercials, the promos, everything that aired, you would wind up like memorizing everything that was on because yeah. like you, the jingles, everything was in your head because you just watched it all the time. It was all so completely packaged that even a show you had no interest in still felt like it was part of the club, so to speak. Yeah. Like, did I really care that much about Cheers? Probably not, but it felt so right on WPIX. It's a local thing, and we all kind of had that in common. Right, right. I mean, we were in junior high at this point, so like the prime age for a stunt like this, all month, every night at 8 o'clock, a different horror movie. And when you're in the sixth or seventh grade, this is real formative stuff for you. Like This is how we saw a lot of these movies for the first time. There's a phenomenon when it comes to Shocktober where uh, I look back and it feels like it aired my entire childhood, like all throughout the 80s. And I'm like, it was only a couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, I've been writing about Shocktober for years. And up until I think like two years ago, I thought it was from at least like 85 through 95. Yeah. It's, it just made that much of an impression. And I guess part of it is we were at that impressionable age. I think also uh, PIX would show horror movies every year, but then once they started naming it, we probably just attributed Shocktober right, right. to all those and previous any, any movie, even if it wasn't horror, if it aired on Channel 11, yeah. it was Shocktober. Yeah, like in, in 85, we're looking back, we're like, remember they did Shocktober back then? Yeah, but it oh wasn't. Oh my God, Major League Two, yeah. that was part of Shocktober. <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't branded back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so listen to this lineup. We're, I mean, they, they did it in 91 and 92. For tonight's purposes, we're going to be focusing on 92. These are some of the movies that aired that year. Dream Warriors, Deadly yeah. Friend, The Gate, The Wraith, Cat's Eye, 
Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. Like, this is how I saw Dream Warriors for the first time. Wow. Yeah, so this was like, oh my God, just crazy, crazy important to the overall of me. Oh, I, I totally get you. I mean, I had seen a lot of these movies prior to them airing, but like, that's the thing about TV that you don't really have nowadays is that it was like appointment television. I was such a dork that I had this little pocket planner and I would write in the Shocktober movies I wanted to watch <laughs> in the calendar. <laughs> All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, you were you you bloomed a lot earlier with horror, but you didn't have access to these movies in your bedroom on that little rinky dink television that like got passed down from different generations of people in your family <laughs> yeah no, like, I, this is what i like, think the first time you could watch say deadly friend in your bedroom you didn't have the vhs and even as i'm saying that i'm realizing that you probably did <laughs> <laughs> no but i know exactly what you're saying because when something's on tv you always watch it whereas you may not say hey i'm gonna go grab my tape or my laser disc and put it on Absolutely. And I mean, I think for me, especially in 92, keep in mind, 92, I'm like probably in the top five losers of the class. Like <laughs> I have I have no social life whatsoever. So the idea that I was watching these movies at eight o'clock with all of these unseen strangers, it was like a weird sense of companionship. Little did I know that off in the distance in Jersey, there was Jay watching the same movie. It makes me think of the WPIX promo that plays for the eight o'clock movie, you see the twin towers. There's something so special about that intro. You and I grew up five miles away from each other. Okay. Right. When you look at that promo, we basically had the same viewing point of the twin towers that they showed in that promo. You felt what you were watching emanating from New York city, which for us was kind of like what I guess Hollywood was to West coast kids. It captured the local feel. That was what made watching this movie that we're about to get into so thrilling. I mean, I've seen the movie a billion times, but watching it with that packaging again, oh, Niagara Falls Day. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we should uh, probably dive into that movie now, huh? We absolutely should. All right. Take it away, WPIX. Channel 11, New York's movie station. Next on the 8 o'clock movie. By the time you can count to four. One. Two. Three. Four. What would you do if it happened to you? Jason's back with a vengeance in Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. And now, from New York's movie station, the 8 o'clock movie on Channel 11. Thursday, October 1st, 1992. The movie that kicked off Shocktober that year was Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Yeah. This was network television. So the version of the movie we got here was uh, different than the one in theaters or on VHS or even on cable. We'll get to that later. Yeah. For now, where do you stand on this chapter of Friday the 13th? I remember you and I were at Monster Mania and we were just chatting about what our favorite Friday the 13th was. And we both have the same one pretty much. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. It's like the overall best of the series. Yeah, I mean, I personally waver between part two and part four, but I'll tell you this. When I'm telling somebody who hasn't seen any Friday the 13th movies what to watch, I always say start with part four. Right. Like, this is the ultimate one. Yeah, no, it's true. You you do like two, and, you, and in different scenarios, this is what's great, is that I can hear, overhear you in another conversation nearby saying to someone else, well, it's Friday the 13th part two. <laughs> <laughs> But in for, for this intents and purposes, it's uh, Friday the 13th, part four. Of course. <laughs> it's showtime. <laughs> Friday the 13th, part four is awesome. And I believe it came out originally, what was it, 84? Yes. The thing is, uh, with this one, the theory is that the MPAA, or whatever they are, they kind of washed their hands of it because they're like, oh, it's the last Friday the 13th, whatever. Just let's just get it done. 
So in the theatrical cut, at least, this is gory in a way that the rest of them never were again. Absolutely. And I think uh, what's great about the different cuts of these movies, especially back then, is that there was special extra scenes that used to get like added in, in into the films uh, for TV, you know, for timing and things like that. It's not necessarily done the same way anymore. We're going to name some of those scenes later, but you're right. The network cuts sometimes, and I think it's especially true in the horror genre because they have a lot to cut. They become their own thing. They're almost like a, akin to like a director's cut or a producer's cut. Right, exactly. I mean, I would say it's kind of mainstream. It brings me back to think about how when we were kids, guys like Jason and Freddie and the horror icons, they were so popular. They were so mega popular. Like nowadays, I, I don't talk to people who have kids that are like six that were obsessed with horror like we were. I'm sure they exist out there, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any like current um, comparisons. I, I uh, There must be, but they're not. They're certainly not on the level of this. Like these guys were rock stars. They were rock stars at the time. This was like a big deal to be able to watch it right on network television. The movie came out during, I think, the peak of like Friday the 13th Mania. So it's really feeling it. As a kid, I was watching these movies and I would always have like a ritual. I don't know if you had a ritual when you were watching the Shocktober movies, Matt. Huh. <laughs> sort of. But it was much the same as like every virtual for anything I watched, which was to just go steal as much crackers from the kitchen as I could and <laughs> scarf them down while Channel 11 just, you know, drowned me out. Yeah. I mean, the snacks were always a big deal. I think for me, it was always like 4C iced tea and Doritos. Oh, my God. You need the 4C. Yeah. It's the only thing that can nullify that that harsh spice. Yeah. <laughs> So for me, the one thing I always remember about Shocktober movies was that it would get late because I would sit there and if there was two movies on, I'd be on the couch while everyone was sleeping at that point. Right. So, of course, I would be conked out on the couch after a couple movies played and then I realized I got to go to bed. Then I would have to turn that lamp off, right? Now, you got to keep in mind, I'm downstairs in, like, the living room. So if I turn that lamp off... You're doomed. I'm doomed. There's no lights on up until all the way. I got to go all the way upstairs, right? Yeah, so I've been in this situation many a time. And you got to remember, though, this is Shocktober. You're in the thick of, like, Halloween season. You're freaking Shocktober, yourself out. Shocktober, horror movies, and you're in junior high. Yeah, exactly. So I would turn that lamp off run the f upstairs you know <laughs> but also the fact that like if i had left it on the next morning forget about it because it'd be like you left the lamp on all yeah, night what are you your, doing your dad i've heard on the show the man doesn't have many triggers but <laughs> wasted electricity i could see that being one of his big buttons <laughs> yeah because back then if you left a lamp on for 12 hours it was like 37 dollars my parents kind of use like false psychology they would lie and tell me that if I left the lamp on, the whole house was going to go up in flames. <laughs> so it's like, you had to turn it off. Yeah. They were never going to get me with the electricity nonsense. Like, I would just balk and, and leave it on. Yeah. I would wake up late at night and like Hill Street Blues would be on. I'm like, I gotta go to, I gotta go to bed. <laughs> you know what my trick was? Yeah. I would wait for the commercial breaks and it would wait for something bright and uppity. Yeah. To like kind of get me in like a peaceful mood. And only then would I shut the light and like run upstairs. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good tip. If anybody out there wants yeah. to borrow it. <laughs> that's, that's what we call a freebie. <laughs> Friday the 13th, the final chapter will return in a moment. One of the big parts of watching these movies was the commercial breaks, Matt. I mean, if this guy, Dustin, who so generously gave us this tape, didn't have the commercial breaks, I would have still taken it, but it would not have meant half as much. When you realize that you could watch a broadcast in its entirety with the commercials, the ads, the promos, everything... It paints a picture of, of exactly that moment in time, which is hard to replicate. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like you said, if you watch it without that, you may be able to say, you know, what, what commercials aired in 1992 and you could piece it together in your mind. But this is exactly how it was, which is so awesome. 
we dwell in nostalgic crap. Yeah. But this is so crystallized and specific, it's almost hard to take. It really is. What was glaring about the commercial break, especially uh, this uh, one of the first ones, is that there were so many public service announcements that would play rather than just straight up commercials. I'm thinking maybe WPAX Channel 11 New York had trouble selling ads for a Friday 13th movie on like a Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, like a kick cereal for kids is not going to be advertising during that time. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> So public service announcements in the 80s are obviously super iconic. And uh, even people who didn't live during that time, they have heard of stuff like this is your brain on drugs. Any questions like the, they became real famous and quoted in movies and stuff like that. Well, so, well, the ones from the 80s were very much I mean, they, they kind of adhere to the principle of like a food jingle, like they wanted to get in your head. Right. And then the 90s came and we got stuff like we got during this <laughs> yeah and i'll tell you when you put them together and there's like two or three in one commercial break it becomes like <laughs> first a, of all you're like what the fuck is going on in the world yeah you're like it could be its own little tales from the dark side episode that's like a trilogy or something this is supposed know? to be your break from the scares <laughs> yeah yeah and, and instead it's like worse than the movie so there was one that was so memorable when we were kids. There was a girl standing on a diving board about to jump off, and we see that there's ultimately no water in the pool, and she goes to dive off. Just think about this. Before you go and do something you've never done before, you just better know what you're jumping into. I remember sitting there seeing it for the first time. My mouth was open like, oh, my God, like she just jumped into a pool with no water in it. It was very scary. Is that what drugs make you do? You know what the thing was back then? Like we didn't get that this was sort of symbolic. So we think that if you take drugs, yes, you will literally find an empty pool yeah. and dive into it. It was awful. But then you realize, like, okay, I get what they're they're trying to scare you to not do drugs. And like we we understood it, but I think being that it felt more real than the horror movie kills, it was more memorable. And they were effective too. Cause like the 80s ones, when you look back at them, they're so cartoony that once you get past the kind of loving cartoon stuff age, they lose their messaging. You just feel like, you know, they're talking to five-year-olds there. Right. But when you get to these 90s ones, you're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to fucking drink soda again if this is what <laughs> happens to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like Twilight Zone episodes. And then there's one of your favorites that popped up. Oh, my God. Let's roll it right now. You know who I am. Snake. Dealing in weed, coke, crack. Your choice. Take one hit and you'll do anything to cop more. Steal from your mama. Lie. Cheat on your homeboys. But hey, that's the price you pay when you deal with dudes like me. Now, some folks will tell you that I'm dealing in poison. But hey, do I look like the kind of guy that would do that to a kid like you? Yes! Oh, I hesitate to use the word classic for uh, anti-drug PSA, but my God, the evil drug-peddling snake man oh. is a classic. We've talked about him on the on the Purple Love. You love this commercial. It was more like, um, I would say, like a really high budget public service announcement. Like it was incredible. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. It, the, the effects were just movie level. So I know uh, they just heard the audio, but they can't see it. Just to refresh everyone's memory, you have this like run of the mill drug dealer slowly morphing from a human into a literal mutant cobra. Yeah, it was intense. I mean, you're watching Friday the 13th. You're already in like a dark place. Then you get hit with that. My God. Forget it. Watching it up late at night during Shocktober. Oh, my right. God. That's the thing about watching this particular broadcast where we have it so complete. It's like, oh, my God. I remember being in the seventh grade and being in my bedroom being like, oh, my God, why? Why yeah. is this snake man here? Yes. <laughs> and of course, like this being WPAX, who played fast and loose with everything, you'd also see the same snake man when like DuckTales was on at three o'clock. <laughs> Yeah. No rules, baby. It's true. <laughs> this program may include content objectionable to certain individuals. Viewer discretion is advised. Now we return to Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Hey! Ted! Ted! Hey, Ted, where the hell's the corkscrew? <laughs> So I think we should talk a little bit about what it was like to watch 
Friday the 13th, the final chapter on network television specifically. Yeah, it took on like a mind of its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the gory bits were cut out, but I have to admit, I was surprised by how much was left in at the same time. Yeah, definitely. They There was questionable choices made here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I was trying to like, I watched it a few times and I think the formula was like, they eliminated any really gory violence on female characters. They left it in for the guys, but they still cut it down. Right. But at the same time, like when Crispin Glover got the cleaver to the face, yeah. they left a few frames of that cleaver in his face. <laughs> You're three doors down from Wheel of Fortune, and this is what's on television. <laughs> so, like, there's one scene uh, toward the end of the film where uh, Jason is in the basement and he's uh, who was who the hitchhiker guy? I forgot. Okay. I, I, you know, I don't think anybody including the the script writer knows that guy's <laughs> name i he will call him the the woodsy vigilante <laughs> the woodsy vigilante was getting it by jason in the basement and i'm like watching that scene i'm like wow it's like completely dark it's not what you see it's what you don't see it was so intense well especially because woodsy vigilante he spends his death scene talking <laughs> When they're cutting it even more than it's already cut in the theatrical version, you're literally just hearing him say, he's killing me, he's killing me, and you're not seeing a thing. And it's like 25 minutes. And then you hear the the machete-like noise, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's squeaky metal. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite edit had to be to the hitchhiker's death. This was like the, the black-haired hippie girl who got uh, hacked to death while eating the banana. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, this poor girl. Right. But that's that's what happens in the theatrical cut. I have to say, she gets off pretty easy in this cut because she sits down and then you see three frames of Jason's feet while he's still like six feet away. Yeah. And then they cut to commercial. <laughs> I know. I actually had to go back. I'm like, did the tape skip? I'm like, no, it didn't. They actually did this terrible cut. There is so many sloppy cuts that directly brought you to the commercial break. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, that was the worst one though. Because you're like, wait, where's what happened? It's either <laughs> a very abrupt cut or it's like the most exaggerated long fade out ever where they're basically hanging in black for 20 seconds. Like, what happened? <laughs> you're like, you guys getting into this? Well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, yeah that one was crazy and then one of the most prominent edits was where teddy he calls crispin glover a dead fuck it says it says you're a dead fuck what a dead fuck a lousy lay and in this movie of course it just becomes dead <laughs> which is like defeating the purpose of the joke it says, it says you're dead. What? I did not say it. The computer did. Yeah, well, there is no computer. Aha. And there's no Betty either. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> Especially back, I would say, like 80s, 90s era, TV cuts wound up becoming kind of their own thing where people would remember a movie a certain way. You might be quoting a line and you always think it's that line, but it winds up being the TV cut. A lot of times we didn't find out until years later. Did you notice uh, any other like uh, big differences? Oh, my God. Uh, big, very big differences for me. Yeah. One of my favorite actresses in all of the franchise is Judy Aronson. Oh, yeah. Paul thinks I'm great and bad. So that's where I keep him. <laughs> Yeah, I have a big crush on Judy Aronson, and um, basically all of her scenes got cut, except for a few, probably because most of the time she doesn't have any clothes on in the film. Right. She ultimately, in in this cut, has as much screen time as Jason. I don't even think she got a proper death scene. Jason just goes out to the little boat and kind of shakes it, and then that's it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And then she makes the googly eyes and then that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And meanwhile, yeah. like it's not like they're afraid to show murder because then her boyfriend gets like a harpoon to the crotch or something. 
Oh, and then, of course, when she's about to go skinny dipping, the sea goes right to the commercial. I'm like, son of a bitch. God. Mom, we got to go to the video store. A crummy commercial? (laughs) (laughs) Channel 11's 8 o'clock movie will return after these messages. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Run to the light, baby! Steven Spielberg's Poltergeist. Saturday at 5 on Channel 11. One of the most glorious aspects to Shocktober wasn't actually the films, Matt. It was the promos that aired during the movie to promote the other movies that are coming up during the month. That was the greatest thing about Shocktober, I think. You would see the Shocktober promos not only during the Shocktober movies. You'd see them during cartoons or the sitcom. All day. Yeah, wow. all day. Yeah. So the promos themselves became these little like montage best of scenes of all the movies coming up and in their own right they were like little movies yeah absolutely i mean sometimes they just kind of reuse the old tv trailers from the movies were still fresh but most of the time they would be pretty custom yeah and they were so wpixy <laughs> yeah exactly like real tongue-in-cheek and and and, and kind of like funny but at the same time way too intense to be seeing at 3 30 in the afternoon right <laughs> <laughs> exactly and uh one of those was uh poltergeist that they were using the beetlejuice theme song okay so what was up with that <laughs> is it because beetlejuice himself is sort of a poltergeist like what's going on i don't know but i could tell you that even till this day you might see like a movie trailer or a teaser trailer that uses like the score from Gremlins or Goonies, and you're like, wait a second, that's that's, that's not right. That doesn't belong to this yeah. urban commodity. Yeah, that's cheap heat. <laughs> Maybe they just said, hey, we have the opportunity to license this song out, or they or they used it illegally, which is very I mean, possible. This is, is WPIF. <laughs> yeah. No rules. It was the Wild West. Yes, Ruck Fools. <laughs> I dug their October spot for the blob. I think that was real classic WPIX. Yes. It's big. It's getting bigger. It's at least a thousand times its original mass. It's pink. Great. I killed the strawberry jam. It's creepier than ever. What a wimp. And it's hungry. Sure, man. Is it Killer Jello from outer space? No. It's the Blob. Sunday at 5 on Channel 11, New York's movie station. Going by this WPX promo, I really don't know. Is it like a horror movie or is it a comedy? Yeah, I don't think it was a, a comedy. It was It was definitely a horror film, but I think it just gave it that extra charisma. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what WPX was great at with these spots is that they knew how to promote them, not just to genre fans, but to the people who could become them. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the other one that was really great, which I don't know if it was an actual trailer that was on TV at the time or if they made it, uh, but it was the Elvira Mistress of the Dark promo that used Do What Diddy. And it always reminded me of uh, of the movie Stripes, where you had Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, and they're uh, you know they're singing that while they're marching. Man, Elvira though, that was a Shocktober powerhouse. Ugh, that's one of the things I loved about this marathon is that you would get a movie like we're talking about here, Friday Thirteenth, and then you get Elvira, yeah. which is only like very tenuously part of the same genre. Yeah, yeah, it was more of just a straight up comedy than anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That she was just walking down the street. That woman. 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 Now we return to Friday the 13th, the final chapter. 
So like we said earlier, network TV cuts of especially R-rated movies kind of become famous in their own right. Mm-hmm. Like you think about Halloween, the first time it showed on network TV, that's like a you could buy that on DVD. It's so special. Yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah. I don't know that this movie's cut is that dramatically famous, but it is distinct enough for people to have latched onto. And the main reason are those extra scenes. Right. Because they had to cut all that gore and sex, but then also make sure the movie still clocked in at a certain length. We got all these go nowhere scenes that weren't in the theatrical cut. It's so interesting because when you're a kid, maybe you were looking at Fangoria or even the back of a VHS box, and maybe you see a shot from a scene that you don't remember from the movie, and then you realize it was because it was actually filmed for the movie, but only used in the TV version. It's it's whacked out. Yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes they were just straight up deleted scenes, but a lot of times the movies actually did film them knowing that they were going to have to pad the time. So they were custom made for these ridiculous 8 p.m. broadcast on Thursday on network television. Right. (laughs) One of my favorite extra scenes is during the part where Corey Feldman is showing all of his monster stuff to, uh, what do we call him, Woodsy Vigilante? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in the theatrical version, the scene ends with Corey shoving that brown monster right in the Woodsy Vigilante's face. Yeah, it was almost like a, a Boglin. Right, right, right. And then, you know, they cut to the kitchen. You have someone else on screen. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. In this version, the scene keeps going. Yeah. And Corey shows him that trick guillotine. Yeah. And he pretends to cut his fucking fingers off. Now, watch this. Oh, come on, Tommy. God! Need trick, huh? I know that they're not telling you it's real, but it's still the goriest scene, at least in the network cut of the movie. I love Feldman in that scene because like he, he's so into his, his so creation. Proud. Yeah, I love he, it. Like when he walks into the bedroom, he kind of like sighs because he's so self-impressed with what he's put together. <laughs> oh, look at this place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like as if he was Tom Savini. Yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, he had only known Woodsy Vigilante for like 10 minutes by this <laughs> point. And now he's like cutting off his hand for him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, that was a classic one, but there was also one that I always kind of loved. And that was the two uh, would be roommates. It was the guy and the girl who were kind of like the. I guess the more virginal ones, we'll say. Yeah, like they almost come off like they're the good guys in the movie. So, you ready for this party tonight or what? You mean, am I ready to drink too much, (laughs) smoke too much, eat all the junk food in the world until I die? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for that. Aren't you? Not really. This is what I love, not only just about this scene, but it it really applies to so many things, is that when people are are in a movie and they're talking about some event that's going to be happening, and it really, it isn't an event. So in this scene, they're like, are you ready for the party tonight? And it's like, they're going to be meeting downstairs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're they're in a lake house for the weekend. There are no parties. The whole weekend is a party. There's no (laughs) distinction between now and then and later. It's just like, oh, well, I'm probably going to be just eating too much and drinking too much. Oh, you mean just like five feet away downstairs? Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. I hope I brought the right outfit. (laughs) Yeah. They're getting showered in order to go to this party downstairs. Yeah, it's insane. It's totally nuts. It would be like me talking to my action figures, asking them if they can't wait to go (laughs) hang out in the glass case in my living room. (laughs) What do you think? Breakfast? (laughs) Are you guys nervous about tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fucking great. Yeah, Yeah. it makes no sense. Also, I like that that scene. I don't in the theatrical cut, you kind of get the impression that they were already like a thing. Right. And in this scene, they're kind of like very tentatively interested in each other. Yeah, they're like, hey, nice legs. I'm like, oh, God, this well, is weird. I mean, he's in a towel, and he's wearing shorts that are so short. They are like, I can't believe the network even left them on <laughs> broadcast television. 
<laughs> let's put it even by today's perspective like if you were in a situation where you had to stay at some lake house deep in the woods with a pretty much a stranger and you had to get showered in the same room it would be kind of awkward like, even if you had an attraction would, well i mean i see i wouldn't know because if that was the setup i just would leave <laughs> or you wouldn't go in the first place <laughs> Fuck this place. I was yeah. already on the fence. I came as a favor, but I'm done. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you're thinking in that scene, you might think, ah, oh, we're going to get the goods here. You know, they're, they're one step away. Maybe they'll get it on before they go to the party. Yeah. No, no such luck. Yeah. They do get it on later in that shower scene, which loses quite a bit of steam, shall oh! we say, in the, in the network version. <laughs> There are no uh, there are no posteriors bouncing off the frosted glass. Right, which was a body double, by the way. Was it? I see someone's been hitting IMDb <laughs> trivia again. <laughs> Friday the 13th came out in 1984. The ass in the shower scene was not the actor's ass. See you next time, everybody. Who is it, Molly? Molly. Hey, Paul, is that you? Friday the 13th, the final chapter will return in a moment. ShopRite is the new low price leader in health and beauty care products. We've made big cuts on the everyday prices of over 3,000 health and beauty care items. Incredible savings. Just look for this label and compare. This label says it all. Compare ShopRite's everyday low prices with drugstores, discounters, and other supermarkets, and prove it to yourself again. I save on all my shopping at ShopRite. We save you money. In more ways. ShopRite does it right. Not only did we have a lot of PSAs, like we talked about earlier, but there's regular commercials, local promos, and different things like that. So we're going to talk about them here. I always have a lot of special memories about uh, grocery store commercials. Yes, I yeah. too am fond of the old grocery store commercials. In this instance, Matt, this is a ShopRite promo. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of ShopRite. Growing up, that was my grocery store because in Jersey, they actually are the biggest chain oh my God. in the state. They are all yeah. over Jersey. And it's like, you'll be in the middle of nowhere really in the middle of nowhere and then all of a sudden you'll see like a little gleam of yellow light in the distance yeah and then there it is the fucking biggest ass shop right in the middle of goddamn nothing and then two miles away there's another one yeah exactly and they're pretty much known like even if you're not familiar with Chopper because it's definitely like a northeast chain, but they're based about two miles away from me. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up there. Yeah. You're saying that ShopRite headquarters? Yes, it's it's it's, within, it's actually in my town. Within? Yeah. Oh my god! Why yeah. haven't we pilgrimaged? <laughs> Coming to you what live goes on at the headquarters, like live from ShopRite headquarters. <laughs> there are like can can dancer standees and like brochures that fans can take home that'd be amazing oh my god <laughs> so i want to talk about the promo that aired during this shocktober evening okay and the commercial starts out very basic with a ShopRite logo on a black background and a white font and the words are bragging about how they are the low price leaders yep. and the voiceover guy is such an over-the-top aggressive asshole <laughs> and his his voice is so like prickly and and sharp that he basically sounds like if we don't shop at ShopRite, he's gonna come and kill us like jason does in this movie that you're watching right now <laughs> absolutely it, it read less like a commercial for a supermarket and more like a general psa in a dictatorship <laughs> yeah like a propaganda commercial yeah. everybody stop and listen it could have been a commercial for like a new killer shark movie or something it was nuts ShopRite is the new low price leader in health and beauty care products so the rest of the commercial it was done in this in your face gorilla style fashion which yeah. at the time though it really wasn't as popular to see something like that until like the early 2000s well, here's the thing. Even if it like did pop up, we're talking about like low shots. So you would see that maybe on the red carpet or in certain movies. You wouldn't see it in a ShopRite commercial when you're creeping up on somebody that's just like pushing their cart through the makeup aisle. Exactly. Exactly. Like the camera is uncomfortably filming the customers 
it seemed like they just took a camera and they're like following people around the store. No, they, they had they had fifty bucks and five hours to deliver that spot to WPIX, and this is what came out. Yeah, but it felt like so real because you're like these people are at the shop right down the street because they probably were. I do agree that they probably did just you know go into any <laughs> random shop right in Jersey and say we're doing a commercial. Yeah. No, you don't need to stop. Let everyone keep shopping. It's all good. And then they just shot it. They filmed it two hours ago. <laughs> Those were actual customers, by the way. Yes. Yes. When they when they hit into that woman, she, of course, just turned and smiled and, and complimented ShopRite on their prices. I would even go so far as to say that no grocery store ad has had this particularly hard-ass approach ever since then. <laughs> You're the first person in any context whatsoever to combine <laughs> the words ShopRite and hard-ass in a sentence. <laughs> Now, okay, I I left the best for last, Matt. You ready? Okay, yeah. Okay, all right. The icing on the cake. Anytime you saw a Shoprite commercial, we save you money. Shoprite does it right. <laughs> so the jingle for Shoprite was always Shoprite does it right, mm -hmm. and like that is the best jingle. I love that. It makes you want to shop nowhere else for anything. Yeah. <laughs> but like this guy's like, we save you money. And they're like, we save you money. More. <laughs> so it was a good juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, um, I did not have such a visceral reaction to ShopRite, but hearing you describe <laughs> why this spot was so marvelous. Now it's like all I want to talk about. <laughs> I know I'm due to bring up my own commercial, and I just feel like, you know, you mentioned a deflating balloon on a recent episode, and I feel like nothing I could say here <laughs> is going to hold up to the gorilla reality-style ShopRite commercial. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about this commercial. Like, if I just... That's, I mean, uh, J Jay, that's kind of like a rant out of American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I, I got Chloe on the couch with the fucking frozen yogurt. <laughs> listening to Hip to Be Square. Exactly. <laughs> oh no, listening to Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. Oh <laughs> yes, in, in your in your parlance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. So how about yours, Ben? <laughs> okay, well, I mean, all right. I mean, I, I kind of like the uh that Wonder Years promo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the Wonder Years promo. Is it the one where Fred Savage is going to join the rock band or I something? Was a man with a mission. Rock and roll. Noise. Wow. I knew what I had to do. Kevin, say you. Hey, hey, what do you say when finally confronted by a hero of rock and roll? Is that your sister's shirt? Yeah, there's nothing quite like the Wonder Years. Tomorrow at 6.30 on Channel 11. Yes, I have to say that's not one of my favorite episodes, but I did love the show. And just watching these old sitcoms on WPIX on weekday nights, yes. that was like, oh, the thing for me. What I liked is I don't know if how it worked, whether Daniel Stern did those voiceovers when they made the deal for like syndication or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, but it was cool because no I, one... I mean, I don't think WPIX was bringing <laughs> we need you to send your top talent down to channel 11 yeah <laughs> he would do these custom like voiceovers for the episodes you're like wow this is like they really customize this yeah, pretty awesome. say, like next on the wonder years and you'd be like well he's not supposed to know it's the wonder years <laughs> <laughs> yeah he lived it man <laughs> totally and um just like in general, I, I have to say, I would imagine it's the same for you. I didn't even need a clock or a watch back then. You would just know what time it was based on what old sitcom episode was on Channel 11. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, it's, it's, yeah. It's growing pains. It's 5.30. Wonder Years, it's 6.30. Cheers. It's fucking 11 at night and I got to go to bed. Yeah. I would totally. Like, or if it was like, yeah, like 5 o'clock or was like, you know, Charles in Charge or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Totally. I love that. And I think that's all I got. I mean, I, unlike you, I didn't come prepared to talk about the Wonder Years for 55 minutes. <laughs> so that, that's all I got on the subject, unfortunately. Well, it's something so great. It warrants. Uh... Oh, I, can, we, can we just can we end by talking about that shop right <laughs> ad again? Because well, you know, here's what bothered me. You wouldn't even know it's a fucking supermarket based on that ad. They're in all the boring aisles. Show yeah. me some Doritos and chips and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You got a lot to work with there in Shoprite. There's a lot of beautiful things to look at. 
Yeah, and the guy's like, um, these aftershave prices are great. Fuck <laughs> the aftershave. Show me those corner drinks. <laughs> we save you money. In more ways. Thank you for watching Channel 11's 8 o'clock movie. Now, without further interruption, we present the conclusion of Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Okay, so we're almost out of things to talk about. So I just want to say again, man, watching this movie, the exact way we did back in 92, what a trip. Oh, absolutely. It was it's just insane. I loved it. Yep. Thank you again, Dustin. So, Jay, do you have any last notes on this movie here? This isn't necessarily exclusive to the Shocktober airing, so anybody could relate to this. And that is how much I can't stand Teddy, and I feel like he's the most unlikable character in the franchise as a whole. Wanna give Teddy Bear a kiss? Wow, those are some strong words, but I will concede that Teddy has not aged well. This is um reasons why Teddy is a total shitbag. Okay, tell me tell me a few of them. Okay, so even his computer couldn't stand him, so it turned invisible. Motherfucking right. <laughs> <laughs> he has to consult with his imaginary computer all the time. Yeah, his computer just split. I don't want this guy's hands on me. <laughs> yeah. So he's delusional that his one no joke will eventually get him some laughs. Yeah, I, I mean, dead fuck is just not like it is not a home run punchline. It, it's not. And, and you could tell, you know, Jimmy gets so agitated and exasperated that because he he's heard it before. He's yeah. Heard it before. No matter what the situation, you'd be talking about girlfriends that left him or a bad test score at school, because I assume these kids are some are in college at least, right? <laughs> they're like, uh, the ages are very, uh, very mysterious. I don't know if they're supposed to be 17 or 37. Yeah, it's like Gabrielle Carteris in 90210. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like in this case, you wanted Jimmy to get his comeuppance and really be the one to kill Teddy. Yep. Teddy's most glaring fetish wasn't even 1920s porn film strips. It was his love for head-to-toe denim. Oh, God. Head-to-toe <laughs> denim. Even in, even in 84. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he finds these old stag films, and he gets so excited, and he, like, laughs the entire time uncontrollably. It was Do you know what I read about that scene, though? Yeah. I read that he was actually stoned. He had to have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I I don't want to, you know, uh, shade the actor, but I'm pretty sure he's he's joked about that. Oh, yeah. And don't and get me wrong. Obvious. Don't get me wrong. This isn't about the actor. This is about Teddy, the character. He was scripted to be a jerk and he pulled it off. He really did. Yeah. And he, he gives bad romantic advice to his friends. In Terrible. Hope, but in hopes they strike out and it leaves him as the best option. <laughs> that's that's what bothered me the most about Teddy. I mean, because we've all had friends like that where they would tell you to do things and they would pitch it like it's good advice. Meanwhile, you know, it's meant to sink you somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's everybody in my life. <laughs> so then when they do the, uh, the scene where all the guys and girls are going skinny dipping. Come on! Teddy like acts as if he won the lottery. I actually have a clip of it. I'm gonna play. You ready? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, that's perfect. <laughs> I mean, he might as well have said that. <laughs> that he rips off his denim vest. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah. So I mean, that's he, he's, he's just an asshole to the yeah. girl too. By the way, he's like really like just expecting her to be with him. Like Jesus Christ, Teddy. Exactly. And like he uses his teddy bear as like a pickup line. It's like, what is he, carrot top with all these props? Oh my God. He, he, he always needs something to fiddle with. <laughs> so that's my uh, tirade on Teddy. Your tirade on Teddy was well received. And I'd also like to submit that the only time that he was not wearing denim is when he wore a black button down to the summer nighttime lake house party. <laughs> He got all dressed up for it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Irredeemable. So did you have anything uh, that you wanted to conclude with, Matt? 
Yeah, I think I have one last note. Uh, you mentioned earlier how Judy Aronson got her scenes cut to shit. Yeah. And I started like digging around on YouTube and I found something that I think might cheer you up a bit about oh that. Oh my God. Hold on. Let me get, get the link here. I actually met Judy one time. Yeah. yeah. How did that go? Oh, swimmingly. Hi. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to send it here. There you go. All right. So you want me to click this link? Sure. All right. I'm clicking it. So Judy just popped up on my. Wait a second. What's happening? <laughs> Wait a second. Hey, Jay. This is Judy Aronson from Friday 13th and Weird Science. And a little birdie tells me that it's your birthday. Yay! Oh my happy, happy, <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday oh to you. Oh, my God. Happy Are birthday. Are you kidding me? Jay from the sexy she's, arm. She's singing me happy, happy birthday, birthday like Marilyn Monroe. Yes, yes. Jay, <laughs> happy birthday to you. I mean, no better gift. I'm sorry I couldn't give it to you on your actual birthday, but as you could understand, I wanted a live reaction. Oh my God. This is completely insane. <laughs> and p.s judy looks exactly the same she does she look i cannot believe you did that thank you so much <laughs> no problem <I> mean, <laughs> yeah so for those who don't know jay's birthday just passed and now he has a personalized message from judy aronson yeah last year was zeus and this year it was judy aronson that's insane yeah. i had that's why i sent you that picture i drew because i had to have a decoy Oh, your Sammy Kerr sludgy picture was amazing, but yeah, yes, this yes. is that was, that was the decoy, so you wouldn't expect Judy Aronson to sing you "Happy Birthday." This was a, the biggest surprise ever. I can't believe that you did this because you told you told me you're like, I got a little video. You you have to see. <laughs> I like, got a little video over here. Oh my god! What better way to end our tribute to Shocktober? Shocktober. God knows if this is resonating with people who didn't grow up where we grew up when we grew up but i would like to think that people of a certain age no matter where they live probably had something close to this oh yeah i mean there's definitely gonna be that kind of local station that people really had a lot of uh, fondness for yes just a really important formative part of our lives i don't think either of us would be quite the people we are for better or for worse, without Shocktober. Shocktober on New York's movie station. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, man. It was fun going back to uh, watch this broadcast and to chat with you about it. And thank you so much for the birthday shout out from Judy. No problem. It wasn't cheap. So therefore, that was a good time to pitch patreon.com purple stuff. That's right. Patreon.com slash purple stuff. You could uh, get the monthly bonus show on there. You never know who will turn up. Me, Jay, stars of old Friday 13th movies. <laughs> yes. So thank you, Matt. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we had a great time here on the Purple Stuff podcast. I'm Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going crazy. <laughs> 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 the Super Bowl of self abuse. <laughs> Jason's back in town with a few days to kill. Stay tuned for Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Coming up next on Channel 11, New York's movie station. Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff podcast. <laughs>